is going on everybody welcome back to the robson sportscast i'm your host alex robson man it feels good to once again be bringing you some of that good old-fashioned sports chat we got a lot to get into this week a ton happening let's just shut up and get right in we starting off hot and heavy y'all starting off hot and heavy Because this past Sunday night, I may have witnessed the most absurd thing in my lifetime of watching football. A lot on the line in the very last game of the regular season between the Washington football team and the Philadelphia Eagles. The football team wins. They are in the playoffs. Yes, the the team I said that was going to go 0-16 had a shot to make the playoffs. And the Eagles who I thought were going to win the Super Bowl and Carson Wentz going to win MVP, but we don't talk about that one. Uh, and we really don't want to talk about the other one either, but um, moving on. Um, but yeah, if the Eagles won that, it would probably be the New York Giants making it. They would win the division. So, Jalen Hurts, not exactly his best day. Gets pulled by Doug Peterson, the Eagles head coach, for Nate Sudfeld. And the Washington football team would go on to win 20-14. Clinching a division and clinching a playoff spot. (sighs) I don't even know where to begin with this one, guys. Now, in the post-game press conferences, Doug Peterson said... He did what he thought he was best to help his team win. That may be the most bullcrap answer I've ever heard in my life. I mean, Pearson, you're kidding, right? You were doing what was best for your team to win? What game plan do you have to play the third-string quarterback? What game plan is that? Give you a quick answer. Not a freaking good one. In fact, it's probably a terrible one. I mean, possibly the worst I've ever heard of. But sure enough, it happened. And the Eagles lost. And don't you find it just funny? And because it's lost, the Eagles move from the ninth pick in the draft to the sixth pick in the draft. Stick around to the very end of this episode where I tell you what I think the Eagles will do with that sixth pick in my mock draft. But we'll get to that in a bit. But this is absurd. 
absurd to the fact that this was possibly the most intentional tank job I've ever seen in my life. Tanking is real, y'all, and the Eagles just showed the world what it looks like. They did it better than the Jets did, which is hilarious. I just got one question for all of you guys out there. Is Carson Wentz still the issue? Because Jalen Hurts wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire during his time as the starter. And then even when they pull him, they go to the third string. Not back to Wentz. What more do you need to see? The issue in Philadelphia is the coach and the GM. Peterson and Roseman. That's the issue. To anyone who thinks otherwise, congratulations. You played yourself. So let me just get this straight, Doug Peterson. And Roseman in general, too, and the Eagles organization in general. You pay. First, you lose your offensive coordinator from when you won the Super Bowl. Frank Wright. And then you pay Carson Wentz big money. And then you don't do a damn thing to build around him. Common question for that. Well, how are they supposed to build around him if he's getting paid so much money? Easy answer. You draft. But the Eagles screwed that up too. The only major support pick that they tried anyway was Jalen Rager. And that's worked out well, hasn't it? The guy that was supposed to create separation has done jack diddly all year long. Except join that Eagles receiving core on the injury reserve. I mean, come on. At least give the guy a shot. They didn't even do that. Some of my listeners say that Sam Donald has been put in a bad situation. How about how Carson Wentz has been treated by the Philadelphia Eagles? I think that's worse. Because Carson Wentz from MVP camps, and now they're talking about trading him. And people are talking about him like he's some sort of shot old quarterback. He's not. He's 27. He's proven he can do it if you support the guy. Three years ago, the supporting cast he had was good. But now the offensive line is old and always hurt. The receiving core is bad, whether healthy or not. And Doug Peterson, as a head coach, is lost without Frank Wright. There are a lot of dysfunctional franchises in the NFL. Dallas Cowboys. 
The football team is kind of dysfunctional, primarily internally. Not the football, the team itself is not bad. The New York Jets. Cleveland Browns, aside from this year, they were good. They were okay this year, but historically they're awfully dysfunctional. The Detroit Lions, Houston Texans, the list, there's other guys on the list too. I'm just not mentioning them. Dolphins for a while. They still need a little help, need a little help, you ask me. But so they went from being a being the joke of the NFL to they were competing for a playoff spot till the very last game. But I think right now Philadelphia is the biggest joke in football. Because not only did you give up on a guy who was almost an MVP player a couple of years ago, you then proceed to do nothing for him except bench him. That may have been the best thing you could have done for him because that made him realize he needs to get the hell out of town. Philadelphia, you're a joke, man. That's a damn shame to say about a city I love. Especially for its rabidly loyal sports fans. But this is a joke. You can't argue with me that this wasn't intentional, because that's what this was. Whether it was to move up three picks in the draft from 9-6, to six, or because they just freaking hate the New York Giants. This was 100% intentional. And no one can argue that with me. There's no way you can defend Doug Peterson in this situation and say he truly was doing what he thought was best to win. No, he wasn't. Again, what game plan do you have that involves the third-string quarterback other than relief job for when the starter gets hurt? Pardon, third-string quarterback when the starter and the backup gets hurt. To make matters worse, you've already burnt a bridge with Carson Wentz. Now you're dousing the bridge with Jalen Hurts in kerosene. Did you see Jalen Hurts' face when that was happening? This dude was pissed. His teammates were going up to Pearson asking, dude, what in the world are you doing? I mean, that's it's just unbelievable. There's no way you could support Doug Peterson in this situation. There are currently six NFL head coaching vacancies. The Jacksonville Jaguars, the Los Angeles Chargers, the New York Jets, Detroit Lions, Atlanta Falcons, and Houston Texans. Kind of a low number. Usually we have a lot more than that. But you ask me, there should be seven. Because people are pointing the finger at the wrong place. People have been pointing the finger all year at Carson Wentz. Well, guess what? The finger it should be pointed at Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman, the GM. Those are the two guys that need to go, not Carson Wentz. Because of how they've treated the quarterback position. They've treated it like a joke. 
Philadelphia went from Super Bowl champions three years ago to, in my opinion, like I said, the most dysfunctional franchise in the NFL right now. And it's a god, it's just a god awful situation. That I do not know how Philadelphia is going to get themselves out of. Moving on. I just mentioned the head coach of Vegas. He's actually want to talk a little bit more about that. I'm going to kind of do a two and one here because they're kind of on the same path. As I mentioned, there are six head coaching vacancies in the NFL right now. I'll rename them again. The Jacksonville Jaguars, the LA Chargers, the New York Jets, the Detroit Lions, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Houston Texans. Now, there are pros and cons to all those jobs, and I've ranked them from least desirable to most desirable. So let's go ahead and get started here. Number six, I ranked the Detroit Lions. The only con- the only pro I have for the situation is that the ownership is pretty patient. They kept Matt Patricia a while, kept Matt Patricia around way longer than they should have. But they have no cap space, and the roster is garbage. Most of the appeal that comes from the Detroit Lions is tied to Matthew Stafford. And his future is uncertain in Detroit, which is absurd to me. It feels like they've been rebuilding my entire fandom in football. Kenny Galladay is the one consistent weapon they have on that offense, and he probably will walk in free agency. This has really no good pros in this. The rest of them kind of do. Number five, I got the Houston Texans. The pro, in my opinion, goes to, if you were to ask, give let me give a vote for the MVP that actually mattered, it would go to Deshaun Watson. He's a superstar quarterback that is drastically underrated because of the awful team he has around him. His roster is awful in terms of talent. They have no draft capital because they traded it all to the Dolphins. And they have no cap space. Now, Watson is under contract with the Texans through 2025. J.J. Watt has already stated he wants out. He doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild. He wants to go win a ring. J.J. Watt got his moolah. He's going for a ring now, which I 100% understand. Bill O'Brien has screwed this franchise with the trades he's made. Traded away DeAndre Hopkins. Traded for Larry, for Tunsil, the left tackle. I think it's Larry Tunsil. But he traded almost every good draft pick this team had. And they'll have less than $10 million to spend on free agents this offseason. 
This is ugly quick. So whoever gets the Houston job, they're going to have a lot to work to do, but they can rest assured that they will have a great quarterback and they won't have to worry about that position, but they'll have everything else to worry about. Number four, I got the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons also have patient ownership because, again, they kept Dan Quinn around way longer than they should have. And this roster is not short of talent. They have a good roster. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan, Keanu Neal at safety, Deion Jones at linebacker, Grady Jarrett at defensive tackle. This roster is good. But there's a big problem with a lot of those guys. A good portion of them are well over 30. And they don't have a lot of cap space. They do have the number four overall pick, which we'll talk about that later in my mock draft, as I mentioned already. That could be used to draft a new quarterback. But they would need to shed a ton of players with bad contracts to free up cat space to do anything meaningful in the spring. It's kind of an appealing job in ways, but I don't think a lot of people are going to fight for this one. Number three, got the New York Jets. My New York Jets, the number three most desirable job. The pros, they got the second pick in the draft. Not the first, but they do have the second pick in the draft. They have a ton of draft capital via the Jamal Adams trade. And they have an absolute boatload of cap space. But this is New York we're talking about. This is a tough market where if you are not winning, your head is wanted on a platter. But that also works in the other way. If you are winning in New York, you are treated like a god. This roster is not very talented. It has a lot of young pieces on it. That's not... They have a lot of potential, but the talent right now is not there. Their best player right now is Marcus May, safety, who is a possible free agent. Joe Douglas has made it clear that is priority number uno in the offseason to re-sign Marcus May. But as it stands right now, he would be an unrestricted free agent. And the ownership for the Jets has been dysfunctional for a long time. This would probably rank number one if they got the first pick. Because you would get Trevor Lawrence. But they dropped to number three. Which would result with the second pick now, a Zach Wilson or Justin Fields type player. Could also result in Sam Darnold staying for another year. And they draft Penny Swell, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. There is a lot to like with this job. But there's a lot of risks that come with it. Primarily being in New York and having to deal with the Johnson family running the show in the backfield. So... The go- There's a lot of ghosts of failures past in New York. But if you succeed, you're treated like a god. So, watch out. New York is a hit or miss one, but I like them at three. Number two, I got the Jacksonville Jaguars. I got the number one pick in the draft. They have a lot of draft capital along with that. 
and a good amount of cap space, but I do not like their owner, and they don't have a lot of talent on this roster. They got more than $75 million in cap space to spend this offseason, and they had the right to select Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback out of Clemson, who's going to be a shoe-in fit. And you pair him with James Robinson, the undrafted running back, who's turned into a stud, and you pair him with DJ Chark, in my opinion, one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. But again, that ownership is just iffy. Um, He wants to run the operations. That's not a fun thing, in my opinion. Um, I do not like owners having a say, because sometimes owners don't know best. That's why I kind of like what the Jets are doing with Joe Douglas. Christopher Johnson has said, Joe Douglas is going to pick whoever the heck he wants. I'm just going to sign the check. I'm just going to say, all right, cool. Let's see what you can do. I like that. Shad Khan is not going to do that. He wants a say in everything. So let's see how it materializes. Number one, I think, is unanimous, in my opinion. That's the L.A. Chargers. They have a potential superstar quarterback in Justin Herbert, a very talented roster, and the city of Los Angeles behind them, too. Now, the ownership is bad. They have shown that they are they don't spend and you got to deal with Patrick Mahomes twice a year and Andy Reid twice a year. Justin Herbert has shown so many flashes of excellence in his rookie year where I think that if, if they build around him properly, the sky's the limit for this football team. But that's the thing. They have to build around him. That's something they struggle to do with Phillip Rivers. They struggled to spend money to make the best situation possible. So if they're able to to spend money for Justin Herbert, I think we got a potential Super Bowl team in the making in LA. And that's what I would rank the head coaching, open head coaching positions. There's six But like I stated previously, I think there should be seven with Doug Peterson. But even then, I think Philadelphia would rank last. Because you got bad cap space and bad GM. That's how I see it. It was disgraceful what Doug Peterson and the Eagles did against the football team. And Doug Peterson deserves to be fired for it. Let's move on. Just got the word in. Wide receiver Devontae Smith from Alabama is the basically unanimous Heisman Memorial Trophy winner. My opinion, well-deserved. Devontae Smith was a phenom this year for Alabama. Really, really great season for him. But I have an issue with how the rest of the voting panned out. So Devontae Smith won the award easily with 447 first-placed votes. Trevor Lawrence finished second with 222. Mac Jones with 138. Kyle Trask with 61 and Najee Harris at 16. 
first off, I want to talk about the disrespect to to uh, to Mac Jones. How the hell does he finish third? Not only does he finish third, I would understand if Kyle Trask beat them. But Trevor Lawrence? Really? I understand Trevor Lawrence is a great talent. But Trevor Lawrence missed two games. He missed two games with COVID. Not exactly his fault. I understand that. But I understand how you could make someone second place by give with two less games. And also, I want to talk about the disrespect to Kyle Trask, too, the guy who led the nation in touchdowns and yards. He gets fourth? Like, not even a close fourth? Like, he was unanimously fourth? That's what I call a joke. I thought the Heisman Trophy goes to the best player, not the guy on the best team. I understand Devontae Smith. Now, if Mac Jones won it, then that would have probably made me more mad than Devontae Smith winning because Devontae Smith is an amazing talent. I think that offense looks a lot different without him. But that Kyle Trask finished fourth is just so disrespectful. And really, in my opinion, kind of hurts the reputation of the award. This is supposed to be the best football player in the country receiving this. And again, Devontae Smith, I would I understand that. But what the hell is Kyle Trask doing in fourth? Leading the nation in passing yards and touchdowns. Again, the best player in college football. Kyle Trask was that consistently. He had one bad game against LSU. And really, he didn't even lose that game for them. They still should have won that game if it wasn't for the defense. And before you argue the bowl game, although I'd understand that, the voting concluded before the bowl games. So that's not an argument you can make for this for the situation. Now, I'm not saying Kyle Trask should have won the award. I understand why they gave it to Devontae Smith, but Kyle Trask should have at least finished second. What's Florida without Kyle Trask this season? Hell, they were 8-4 with him. What do they do without him? I'll tell you what, they lose a lot more games. What does Alabama do without Devontae Smith? Oh, they find another one of their five-star prospects. What does Alabama do without Mac Jones? They put in the five-star top prospect from a couple years ago, Bryce Young. What does Clemson do without Trevor Lawrence? Well, we saw what they do without Trevor Lawrence, and they still look good. If this is award is supposed to go to the most valuable player in college football, it should have gone to Kyle Trask. This really hurts the integrity of the award, in my opinion. Not Devontae Smith winning it. Do not get me wrong. 
Devontae Smith is a phenom. I understand that. I respect that. Devontae Smith, I have no issue with winning the award. What I do have an issue with is Kyle Trask finishing fourth. Now, if you listen to the show, you know I'm a Florida Gators fan, so you think, oh, I'm being biased. Look at the stats. And look what the Heisman Trophy is supposed to be. The Heisman Trophy is supposed to go to the best player in college football. Kyle Trask was that consistently. Led the country in pass yards and passing touchdowns. What more do you need? I understand team record. I understand that. But that's not. this is not a team award. That's the national championship. That's the team award. This is simply the best player in college football. Contra should have won it. In my opinion. Again, Devontae Smith, I'm not going to blow up on that. Devontae Smith is a great player. And I will say, I think the Alabama offense looks a little different without him. It looked a little different without Jalen Waddle. Just don't get it. 61 first place votes. That's all Kyle Trask gets. That's ridiculous. That Trevor Lawrence finished second is ridiculous. Honestly, I think that may be a little bit more ridiculous. Because that's a little bit disrespectful to Mac Jones. And I'm saying that. I'm defending an Alabama player. I never thought I'd do that in my life. The award is very, very, very harmed in terms of reputation with this. This is not a good look. Kyle Trask, again, led the country in passing yards and passing touchdowns throughout almost the entire season. He broke multiple Records held by Joe Burrow, the guy who won it last year. It's just absurd. It's kind of a quick little rant. Kind of a quick little recap of that. Because I want to get into this mock draft. This is probably going to take up most of the episode, honestly. So I just want to say, voters of the Heisman Trophy, you really need to check yourself. This award is supposed to go to the best player in college football, not the player on the best team. The best team award is the national championship, which will be be awarded to either Ohio State or Alabama this year. By putting Kyle Trask fourth, you have harmed the integrity of this award. And it's a damn, damn, damn shame. That that is the case. Let's move on to the mock draft. Woo! Let's do it. Before I have an aneurysm, all this ranting. Good Lord above. (laughs) It was decided unanimously that I should do a mock draft. Like, unanimously. I think there was one vote for no. I don't even know who it was. I didn't check. I don't really care. But, 
you ask? I present. So, I present to you, the listeners of the Robson Sportscast, my one and probably only edition, because this took me about an hour and a half, maybe two hours to do, because this was a lot of research. <laughs> but anyway, here we go. The Robson Sportscast 2021 NFL mock draft. Only the first round. I'm not doing a seven-round mock draft. I do not have enough time in my life to waste there. <laughs> All right, we are starting hot and heavy. As I said, the start of the of this episode. Number one pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is easy. Trevor Lawrence, quarterback, Clemson. I mean, if this is anybody else, this is a crime. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent. I am sad the Jets are going to miss out on him, but I think he has better potential to be something even more special in Jacksonville. He's getting paired with a good wide receiver and a good running back at the start. Trevor Lawrence has everything you want in a quarterback. He's a big guy. He's athletic. He's got a nice arm. He's going to be a stud in the NFL for many years to come. Number two, the New York Jets. I have them selecting quarterback Zach Wilson at a BYU. The Donald era has to end. This just isn't working. They'll get a new head coach, and I think they will also go in a new direction at quarterback. Zach Wilson has a very nice arm, very athletic. Now, I will. Now BYU is a concern for most people. Not really a concern for me, but I understand it. BYU is a smaller school. They don't exactly produce quarterbacks every year, but the argument against that is Texas Tech is where Patrick Mahomes went. They're not producing quarterbacks every year. Ben Roethlisberger went to Miami in Ohio, and they're not producing quarterbacks every year. Joe Flacco went to Delaware. Joe Flacco won, won a Super Bowl. So, I think the Jets will pick Zach Wilson. Now, that can change with how Justin Fields performs in the National Championship against Alabama. If he balls out like he did against Clemson, even if he loses, I think that helps, and I think they will select him. But in this, I have them picking Zach Wilson. Number three, the Miami Dolphins virtue of the Houston Texans. I have them selecting Penny Swell, offensive tackle out of Oregon. It is time to start building that freaking wall around Tua Tungvaloya. And I think this is a great pick. I think um, Penny Swell has the lowest bust potential of anyone in this draft. Big athletic guy can play either the left or right tackle. I think they'll probably put him at left tackle. So, this is a very, very good pick in my opinion. This starts the process of building around Tua Tungvaloya, and I think this is probably the best pick. Probably going to be the best available player at this time at number three. Number four is a bit of an interesting pick. A lot of people think this will be quarterback. I do not. Um, I think they will keep Matt Ryan. I don't think offense is the issue. I think it's defense. So, I have them picking Caleb Farley, the cornerback out of Virginia Tech. The only issue I really see with Kayla Farley is injury concern. Did tear his ACL a couple of years ago, and he has a bit of issues in zone coverage. But Kayla Farley is a very good man-to-man guy, and the Falcons need defense. I mean, the defense is not good. It's been good since Dan Quinn got fired, but the reason they're losing these games is because the defense can't step up and make stops when it needs to. I think Kayla Farley could be a very, very good sleeper pick at number four. Number five was a tough one for Cincinnati because I really because I feel like they want Penn as well, but I just don't think he's gonna fall to five. And if he does, that'd be just a miracle and a half for Cincinnati. 
but I don't think that's going to happen. I have them picking Kawiti Payne, the edge rusher out of Michigan. They need to bolster up that defense. It's a good defense already. The secondary is better than a lot of people give it credit for. So I think to really solidify that, you need a true edge rusher. And I think Kawiti Payne has the ability to be that. Number six, this was an interesting pick because I think it's obvious who the Eagles should take here. But as I mentioned before, the Philadelphia Eagles are a badly run team. So I think they're going to end up selecting Micah Parsons, a linebacker out of Penn State. So why I think that. Now, the defense for Philadelphia outside of Fletcher Cox and Darius Slay is not that good. I think they need to add more to it. And Micah Parsons is a good player. He's good rushing the passer. He's a good run defender a little bit too. And he's also decent in coverage too. So I like him out of Penn State. Number seven, this is a pick that needs to happen if it turns out to fall this way. They need playmakers for Matt Stafford or whoever the quarterback is going to be. But at seven for the Detroit Lions, I have the pick of Devontae Smith, the Heisman winning wide receiver out of Alabama. Devontae Smith is everything you want in a wide receiver. I think Devontae Smith has the potential to be a boom player in this draft. So I think if he falls to seven, I think the Detroit Lions have to jump on him. Number eight, Justin Fields comes off the board to Carolina. Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback, but they need a franchise quarterback, not just a good quarterback. They got everything else. They got a decent offensive line. They got a decent young defense, a a young head coach. Possibly Joe Brady will remain there for next season. They just need the quarterback solidified, and I think Justin Fields will provide that. Number nine, a lot of people have Patrick Sertan the second coming off the board first at corner. I have him coming off as a second pick, second corner picked at number nine to the Denver Broncos. The offense does not need help. It just needs time to mesh and develop. Um, the offensive line is still not good for uh, Drew Locke. So I feel like they need to add a little bit of defense to it. Especially now, they don't really have a true number one corner. And I think Patrick Sertan is... A very, very, very good pick where you could solidify that number one corner. Number 10, the Dallas Cowboys. They need defense. But why would Jerry Jones pick defense when a hyper athlete is still on the board at 10? So with the 10th pick, I had the Dallas Cowboys picking the one position on offense they do not have solidified, and that is the tight end position. I have the picking Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. Kyle Pitts, in my opinion, may have the highest ceiling of anyone in this draft. I mean, aside from Trevor Lawrence, of course, I think that's obvious, but Kyle Pitts is just an athletic monster. He's six foot six, so he's too big for your too big for your safeties to cover. And he's got wide receiver speed. So he's too fast for your linebackers to cover. He is simply a mismatch. This guy has beaten double coverage, even beat triple coverage in the SEC Championship game against Alabama. There's just no one that can stop Kyle Pitts. I think he's going to be an instant hit and run for the Dallas Cowboys, whoever the quarterback is going to be. Will it be Dak Prescott? I don't know. We'll have to see. So I have Kyle Pitts at number 10. Number 11 is a pick I like a lot, and that pick is Jamar Chase, the wide receiver out of LSU. I have him going to the New York Giants because Daniel Jones does not have a true number one target yet. Darius Slayton is a decent decent wide receiver, not a number one. Sterling Shepard's not a number one. And I'm sure as hell Golden Tate ain't a number one, even though they're paying them like it. 
So I think Jamar Chase, he has the potential to be that star receiver that Daniel Jones is missing. And I think that could really start to mesh that offense there. Number 12 is interesting. The San Francisco 49ers. Now, the Niners don't exactly need a ton. They just need the cure for all injuries to happen because that's what's poisoned them this year. But I think that's kind of helped them. They get the 12th pick in the draft. And I think they get a sleeper here. Aziz Ojar, I can't pronounce Ojalary. He's a defense, he's an edge rusher from Georgia. That Georgia defense has has NFL talent all over it, but Ojara stands out to me because he has got a lot, very good athleticism, which a lot of those Georgia's guys do. So I think that'd be a good pick. Pair him on the other side with Nick Bosa, and that not only frees Bosa up a little bit, but I think that frees up Ojara a little bit too. So I think that would be a good pick. Number thirteen, the LA Chargers. The LA Chargers don't need a ton because again, they had a lot of injuries this year. So with the new head coach, I think priority number one needs to be protecting your franchise quarterback and Justin Herbert. And that's going to start with Rayshon Slater, the offensive tackle out of Northwestern. Put him on the left or right side. I think he'll be a fit, and I think he'll be a solid player to defend Justin Herbert. Number 14, kind of the same situation. I just think the Vikings need to boost up the offensive line a little bit. So I got them picking Wyatt Davis, the offensive guard out of Ohio State. Guard can play either position, left guard or right guard. Again, I think he's going to be a good interior lineman. And the more space you can create for Dalvin Cook and the more time you can give to Kirk Cousins to find his receiving core, which is talented still, I think the better. Number 15 is a pick that scares me. Number 15 is a pick that scares me because I actually don't want this to happen, but I don't see them passing up on him. That's the New England Patriots selecting Jalen Waddle, the wide receiver at Alabama. Only in, only concern I have for Jalen Waddle is injuries. I don't know how he's going to come, how well he's going to come off the injury he suffered this season. Sounds like he's going to play in the national championship game, so let's see how he looks there. But Jalen Waddle is just a speed demon. I just don't see anyone in the NFL that can really keep up with him at corner or safety. This guy is just a speed demon through through. Number 16, the Arizona Cardinals. That's a lot higher pick than I thought they were going to have coming in. I thought they were going to be a playoff team. But number 16, I have them picking J.C. Horn, the cornerback out of South Carolina. Kind of a slept-on player, but I think a lot of people will realize how just how good this guy can be. He was good under Will Muschamp in South Carolina. Will Muschamp has always had good defenses, and Jace Horn is, no, is going to be a good product out of that system. Number 17, I have the... The, I'm not calling the Oakland Raiders. Sorry, Joe Morley. The J. I have the Las Vegas Raiders. I can't get it out. Good God. <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders selecting Jay Tafili. That's a defensive tackle out of USC. The biggest issue for the Raiders this season is pressuring the quarterback. They are not a very, very good defensive line. They need to find ways to create more pressure. And I think this would be a very, very good pick for them. And I think it would provide more beef on that defensive line. Next up, number 18 would go back to the Miami Dolphins. I have the pick in JC OA, the edge rusher from Penn State. Um, I know this defense is really, really good already, but I think they just need a true edge rusher to solidify. And I think this could be a very, very, very good sleeper pick for them. He's got the talent and the size and the speed to be an elite defensive end. Let's see if he can put it together. Number 19 is an interesting pick. I have them picking Liam 
Eschenberg, the Washington football team, the offensive tackle out of Notre Dame. That, in my opinion, is a, a position of need, especially if you're going to be rolling Alex Smith out there or you're going to be picking a quarterback later on in the draft. I have a few guys falling out of the first round that a lot of people think are going to be first-round talents. So, I think this pick is going to be a safe pick no matter what. Again, put him at left or right tackle. I think he'd be a good fit. Number 20, this would be go to the Chicago Bears. Fade Trubitsky is done. With that, I have them picking quarterback Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Again, I know a lot of people are kind of scared of North Dakota State because of Carson Wentz. People are not sure about him. But I think Trey Lance is going to be a good player. He's got a little bit of everything. Good arm, athletic. I think he has a good, good chance of being special here. But in the end, even if he doesn't really work out, it's still better than Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, my God, just... It's like an old dog you just can't, won't put down. Like, you just got to do it. 21st goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, actually, virtue of trade here. Um, let me actually double-check real quick. I had these written down. I can't... Let me see if I can find them here. I had them... Um, who actually owns these picks. Um, be the 21st pick. So, this would actually belong to the LA Rams, but now it belongs to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I believe that's virtue of the Jalen Ramsey trade. So, I have them picking Gregory Rosaru, the edge rusher from Miami of Florida. Clavon Chasen. Y'all remember that name? He was a first-round pick out of LSU. He has been awful this year. Josh Allen has not exactly hit the ground running like I thought he has, so they need to find somebody to rush the edge. And Rosaru has the potential to be that. He's big guy, athletic too, so I think he has a good potential. At 21, a lot of people have him going in the top 10. I don't because there's... It's just, I just feel like there's always that one guy that keeps falling and falling and falling and somebody steals him. So I think, so I was going to be that for me. 22 goes to the Indianapolis Colts. Levi Owazurakine, I think that's how you pronounce it. He's a defense tackle out of Washington. Hey, just build on what you already got. That's my opinion. Uh, if the defense is, in my opinion, the solidifier for the Indianapolis Colts. I think they solidify that. Always, always a good idea to beef up the middle, especially when you play in a division with Derrick Henry, who has run for 2,000 yards. Number 23 belongs to the Cleveland Browns. I have them picking Samuel Cosme, the offensive tackle out of Texas. Now, the offensive line is already a lot better than it was last season for the Browns, but that can always get better and deeper. Not only is this a good pick, in my opinion, it adds depth. He doesn't have to be a starter right away, but if he works out, you pair him with, with Wills out of Alabama from last season. Jarek Wills, I think his first name is. Pair him with Jarek Wills. This turns out to be a really, really smart pick. And now you got your tackles set, which are the two most important parts of the offensive line, in my opinion. The blind side tackle and the strong side tackle. 24 belongs to the Tennessee Titans. There's nowhere they go but defense here. The defense has been so spotty for Tennessee. So I have them picking Xavier Collins, linebacker out of Tulsa. Again, he's got a good mixture of, of talent in every kind of way. He's good rushing the passer, good run defender, and can do a little bit of coverage too. But the Titans, like I mentioned, their defense is awful. So I think they need to pick this guy. 25 belongs to the Tampa Bay Bucks, And I have them picking Christian Darsaw, the offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. Now, the offensive line has been solid. 
again for Tampa Bay, but I think it's a lot like the Cleveland situation. Like I just mentioned, I think if they pick this, it not only adds depth, but if it turns out he turns out to be something good, you pair him with Tristan Wirfst off of the tackle out of Iowa from last year. Last year's draft, I think this is a really smart, turns out to be a really smart pick. But even if it doesn't really work out, you don't lose anything because he becomes a depth player. Number 26 belongs to the Baltimore Ravens. Now, it's kind of tough for me to pick what the Baltimore Ravens were going to do here. Because I need a draft, because I need some receivers, but they also need a little bit of linebacker help. Especially with Matthew Judon possibly leaving. I think Judon's going to get a big contract from somebody. So, I have them picking. Now, this, bear with me here. Because this guy's name is about a mile and a half long. The linebacker out of Notre Dame, Jeremiah Owasu Koromoa. I don't even know if that name's going to fit on the back of a jersey. It's like Antetokounmpo for Giannis. I don't know if that name's going to fit, but this guy, every time I watch Notre Dame play, this guy's making plays. Even against uh, Alabama, he was everywhere, it seems. So I think that's going to be a good pick, especially if they end up do losing Matthew Judon, which I think they will. 27, virtue of the Seattle Seahawks and New York Jets have a 27th pick. And I think there is no way they don't go this way if this ends up happening. This is going to turn out to be running back Travis Etienne out of Clemson. If the Jets do this along with a quarterback round one with the, with the second pick, this is, ends up being perfect because you get your running back and your quarterback settled. I think they need a true running back. They don't have that. Uh, Le'Veon Bell didn't work out. And Frank Gore, I don't want a 17-year vet Frank Gore running the ball. I still want him on my roster, but I don't want him running the ball constantly like Adam Gase made him. I think Ty Johnson, our running back out of Maryland, from I think he was an undrafted guy for the Lions, I think a year or two ago. I think he has the potential to be a solid guy. Michael Pirine, I like a lot. He just wasn't used in Adam Gase's system. So I think Travis Etienne kind of creates kind of a three-headed monster with that. So I think Travis Etienne will probably end up being the starter out of that group, but I think Travis Etienne is going to be a great pick for somebody. 28, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they continue to draft receivers. Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver out of Minnesota. Guy makes big plays, man. That's all you could say. He's a big play guy, big physical guy as well. So I think, and the Steelers, they got to keep building the wide receiver because Big Ben's eventually going to go. That's just my opinion. 29, I have the, Sa- the New Orleans Saints picking quarterback Kyle Trask out of Florida. Kyle Trask, big, strong guy, got a good arm, very accurate, makes good decisions. And I think he just fits this kind of system. I mean, I think this this situation is perfect for him. He's got a star wide receiver. Michael Thomas has a good number two in... Oh, God, what's his first name? Sanders. I can't... Emmanuel Sanders. There we go. Why did I forget that? Well, I've always been a Emmanuel Sanders fan. I can't believe I forgot that. But got a good tight end in Jared Cook, too. No Kyle Pitts like he had at Florida, but still, that's a good tight end. And he's got a good head coach in Sean Payton. I think this is a good situation for Kyle Trask to fall in. I just think this is just a perfect pairing here. The Buffalo Bills, I have them ch- taking Trayvon Morig, the safety at a TCU. They need defense. I know that defense is good, but it was inconsistent. A little help on the back end never hurts. Buffalo is close, and they could be a Super Bowl team this year. But if they want to solidify that, they go safety here. 31 is a pick I love a lot, and I know a lot of people are going to love it too. It's kind of a weird one, because not a lot of people have him going in the first round, but I do just based off what I have saw. And I got wide receiver Kadarius Tony out of Florida. Y'all wanted to draft wide receiver. Why not draft, in my opinion, the best, the most untackleable? Is that even a word? I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> 
but the guy that makes the most plays for that Florida offense is Kadarius Tony was 12 yards I believe away from a 1,000 yard season at Florida it has been many years since a Florida wide receiver done that I believe it was 2002 the last time that happened I think Tony is an instant plug-and-play guy have him return punts have him return kicks put him in the slot I think him and Devontae Adams would be a great deal and of course he's going to have that bad man Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball and the last pick of the first, <clears throat> sorry, the last pick of the first round, the Kansas City Chiefs. I have them picking Tyson Campbell, the cornerback out of Georgia. Now, um, the defense has been solid again for Kansas City this year, especially near the back end of the year. But I think Tyson Campbell has a very, very high upside. I think he is a physical guy that can make plays. So I, he had his moments. I mean, Kyle Pitts and Trayvon Grimes, another wide receiver out of Florida, they kind of bullied him, but those are six foot five and six foot six guys. If he has guys that he can match up with one on one, I think Tyson Campbell is going to be a very, very good pick. Well, there you have it. You asked, I delivered. That is the Robson Sportscast 2021 mock draft. Now, I'm going to go chug about two bottles of water because I am drained. My voice is drained. So give me a second, and we'll wrap this show up. A little bottle and a half of water later, I'm now recording the outro. <laughs> Man, that was a lot of talking. I haven't done that much talking on the show, I think, ever. But that was a lot of fun doing that kind of mock draft. Um, I am not exactly 100% the best at this kind of that kind of thing but then again with the mock drafts it's just kind of tough to ever know what the teams are going to do you never know what the team's thinking you're not the gm you're not the coach so you never know but that's how i see it going in the 2021 draft but i'm sure a lot of you are going to disagree with me and i would love to hear your feedback and tell you that you're not the gm either <laughs> But anyway, that's going to wrap up this week's edition of that good old-fashioned sports chat. I'll have my man, RC Productions, with that dope beat, hitting us out. This is your host, Alex Robson, signing off.